0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Jordan Drew the Sports Crew a very special edition as we are back. I mean, it's not we, it's I am back for a UFC recap, UFC 268. So, full disclosure, UFC 267 was last week, but it it wasn't an official pay-per-view. It was just a numbered show, but it was on ESPN Plus. So, it was from Fight Island in Abu Dhabi, and it's just it wasn't a pay-per-view. So I didn't actually do it. I didn't do a full recap for it. I'll touch on some of that stuff here in this UFC 268 recap where we have a lot to discuss. We'll get into all of that very, very soon. But first, I just wanted to say, it was a double fight night, baby. Canelo Alvarez was in a huge, huge boxing bout against Caleb Plant. And Canelo did it. He got the job done once again. I mean, if you want to skip ahead, bring me a minute or two ahead and we'll get to some UFC but I just had to mention Canelo this dude is absolutely insane on top of the world best pound for pound boxer in the entire world no denying it no one has really even come close besides Triple G but I mean there's really not a whole lot to discuss in that regard either so in this fight I was watching it started right at the end of Chito Vera and Frankie Edgar I believe and then like I got to see a good chunk of it before Thug Rose and Zhang Lie was on. So I had them both on. I wasn't really paying a whole lot of attention to the Canelo fight. I just wanted to have it up in case for some ungodly reason Caleb Plant would be able to knock him out or get the job done or something. I would have had to say that I indeed did get to see it. But, nope, it was all Canelo after the fourth round. It was early on, you know, it was kind of back and forth as you would expect. But once Canelo figured things out, he got done and he got rolling. Then in the 11th, finally finished off. Caleb Plant got a big knockdown and then woo, he just went into a whole nother zone after that knockdown just beast mode initiated and he went charging for Plant. He saw a finish and he got it again in the 11th round so I don't think a lot of people were predicting it to be that late but Plant survived for as long as he did and then finally goes down just one round shy of making it to a decision with Mexicano's greatest and Speaking of greatest, he's now unified all four major belts, first ever undisputed champ in the super middleweight division, and he did so in less than a calendar year. I mean, we're going December 19th, 2020, where he beat Callum Smith to start this journey, and then he fought in February and May. Obviously, that Billy Joe Saunders fight was the most recent back in May, but Canelo has been so, so active. This was his third fight of the year. He only fought once in 2020, twice in 2019, twice in 2018, twice in 2017, I mean, he doesn't fight three times in a year, I'm trying to find the last time he did, and that would be 2011, where he fought four times in March, June, September, and November, but he's been so, so active this year, kind of talked about taking a little bit of a break now, getting back on track, and I mean, how can you blame him, we don't know what division he'll be fighting at next, we don't know who he'll be fighting next, but Whoever it is, they're going to have a well-rested Canelo. And I don't know what's more scary because here he's been active so much this year. He's just been going, going, going. So that really helps him in that regard. But, I mean, now if you got to face a rested Canelo Alvarez, I mean, oh, that's just a whole different Canelo. And I really don't know if that's someone I'd want to face. So Canelo's on top, just had to say, beating Caleb Plant in the 11th round. So let's go back, October 30th. UFC 267, Jan Blachowicz, Glover to share a light heavyweight championship on the line in Etihad Arena in Abu Dhabi. The only other one I really wanted to discuss, um, I only got to watch the last two fights, so I wasn't home. I got to watch the interim Bannon title fight. Pure Jan gets the job done over Corey Sandhagen, No doubt about it now. Jan and Aljo too is the route we'll be going. I'd expect that sometime early next year. Corey Sanhagen's had a real tough break as of late with that TJ Dillashaw loss, and now this one as well, but he looked good in this fight, just couldn't pull it out at the end of the day, and then our main event, oh my goodness, 42-year-old Glover Teixeira, beats Jan Blachowicz in the second round by submission, it was the rear naked choke, got the job done, it wasn't in a whole lot either, it was just kind of over the chin, and it was that pressure, that really got Blachowicz to tap, so Glover Teixeira man, this dude, the career resurgence we are seeing out of Glover is unlike anything I have ever seen before. He just keeps getting more and more dangerous. And here we are, right? The 42-year-old is the light heavyweight champion. I can't wait to see what's next. Honestly, I don't think Blachowicz will ever get the belt back. He had a very fine run, though, at the top, beating Israel Adesanya. I mean, the first person to do that. And really no shame in losing to a red-hot Glover share, who's an undoubtable legend in the sport. Islam Makachev beat Dan Hooker, Volkov beat Tibera, and a lot of people are calling Volkov one of the most boring fighters in the world, and honestly, rightfully so, but he gets the job done, so you can't really say anything about it, and then Komet Shabov, he also got the win as he continues to move up in the rankings and be one of the most dangerous, dangerous, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Rising stars, I guess is a good way to put it, one of the most dangerous rising stars, we have seen in quite some time, and people are giving him the McGregor hype, so that is certainly a lot of weight to have on his shoulders, but he's ready for it, so finally, six minutes into recording, here we go, UFC 268, 269 is not yet, but oh my goodness, am I excited for that one, so UFC 268, I actually watched the prelims, the ESPN, they were on ESPN news this time, but I watched these, and oh my goodness, Upset City. Amavov beats Shabazian. Shabazian was ranked 14th, I believe. And oof, he just. I don't know what happened. I mean, Amavov came out swinging, and he got the job done over Shabazian. And then this big one next Chris Curtis stopping Philip Hawes. Hawes was a 310 favorite. So you would have had to put $310 on him to win 100 in return. But Chris Curtis. Gets the job done in his UFC debut, 4 minutes 27 seconds into the fight. Bobby Green stuns Ally Aquina, 2 minutes 25 seconds into the fight. Ally Aquina, a New York native, trains in New York. But man, that's that is a tough way to return to the octagon as Bobby Green gets it done. Green still continues to move up the ladder. It is such a stacked lightweight division. And then, how about it? Alex Perea, the Glory kickboxing champ. I mean, the guy who's done it all in kickboxing. They've talked about it enough, how he's beat Israel Adesanya, and he got grounded in the first round. McAldis did everything in his power. Andreas did a perfect game plan, had Pereira down, but then in the second round, 18 seconds in, ba boom, a huge switch knee right to the head. Knocked him out with ease. Should have been a walk-off KO, but it wasn't. Instead, Perea had to put a few more punches down, and his UFC debut here in the uh, featured prelim gets the job done. Huge, huge win for Alex Perea. I can't wait to see more of him in the octagon, and now we just wait. You know, now we wait to see what he does next. Obviously, it's going to take a while for him to move up these rankings and get anywhere in that middleweight division, but not a bad start at all it was a fun fun watch i really enjoyed the prelims and i'm sure i'll be saying the same about ufc 269 but before we get there the main card and oh my god did it kick off with a bang michael chandler and justin gaethje this was a fight everyone was looking forward to and earlier in the week they announced these guys were fighting first to open the main card and wee, boy did they deliver maybe fight of the year Michael Chandler really came out swinging. The chin of Gaethje was on display, somehow was staying in it. And then we go to the second round. Now, on by two knockdowns, Chandler stays up. We didn't see a 10-8 round, but it's Michael Chandler came back in the third with a bunch of real good body shots. I mean, he was teeing off on the body of Gaethje. One of the big keys, though, were the leg kicks. Gaethje really dominated that left leg of Chandler, his lead leg, corner, wanted him to switch it up, but he just didn't feel comfortable enough, didn't have enough power in his other arm to get the job done via knockout, and we went three rounds regardless, and Gaethje gets the win by unanimous decision, I believe one judge had it 30-27, and then the other two were 29-28, it was a pretty clear 29-28 to me, but man, I don't even know, Justin Gaethje is next level, he'll be getting that title shot next, no matter who it is against, Will it be Alex Cowboy Oliveira, or will it be the one and only Dustin Poirier? God, I'm hoping it is Diamond, but, I mean, goodness gracious, those are going to be great fights, regardless of what it is. Gaethje and Dustin fought back in 2018, where Dustin won in the fourth round, so, I mean, he really, really challenged Justin Gaethje, got him late in the fight, but then got the job done, so... Other than that, I mean, it's that would be a big rematch between those two. I think an Oliveira fight would be very, very interesting. But obviously, I'm pulling hard for Dustin Poirier in our fight next month. And I was pulling hard for Michael Chandler, too. I'm a Michael Chandler guy. I knew he could come to the UFC and prove he had what it takes. And that went over Dan Hooker. I mean, what more could you want from him? What a debut win. But now, losing two straight. But he's losing to the best end of the vision, and there's really no shame about it. Charles Oliveira basically had him beat in the first round. Could have been lightweight champ. Somehow Oliveira came back, got it done in the second. And then Gaethje, this fight, man, he really pushed Gaethje about as much as you possibly could. Chin stayed strong for Justin, and now Iron Mike really has to go back to the drawing board. He'll move down. I don't. I think he'll stay in the top ten, but either way, he'll still be a ranked fighter. He's 35 years old. He's lost two of his last three, but he still won three of his last five, and, I mean, we could go back further. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. He's won six of his last nine. Uh, he's still going to be just fine, right? There's, I have no fears in Michael Chandler. He'll work his way back up the ladder, but lightweight is just so stacked right now. It's one of those things where you really don't know who's going to get who, but either way, you know it's going to be an exciting fight, and now... I mean, Justin Gaethje. Besides his last loss to Diamond, he's won five of his last six. James Vick, Edson Barbosa, Donald Cowboy Cerrone, El Kakui, Tony Ferguson, and Michael Chandler. The loss to Habib Maghribi back in November of last year. Again, no shame in losing to Habib, but the lightweight goat, the guy who just stayed on top of the division for so long and then retired on top. So I, there was there was no way anyone was going to follow this card. But Billy Quarantino and Shane Burgos had the honor of doing just that. And they had a really, really good fight. I mean, these guys came out swinging. Quarantino, whoo, he came out hot. It seemed like he was going to get the job done right away. And then Burgos went to work on that lead leg, that left leg. And it, oh my, that third round to start. Quarantino could barely walk in the center of the octagon. I'm surprised they didn't have anyone check on it. But it got better. As the round went on, there was a kick early, probably 30 seconds or a minute into the round. Uh, just a straight leg kick, knocked Quarantino down, but still got up, and he was still trying to put some like, missions on and stuff. I mean, it was insane what this kid was doing. I I haven't seen a whole lot of him, honestly. He fought earlier this year, beating Gabriel Benitez, and then he is a solid, solid fighter. His last loss, other than Gavin Tucker in December of last year, was at AFC Absolute Fighting Championships in 2016. So in the UFC, he was in the Contender Series where he got the job done by TKO. Then he was on an ESPN card back-to-back. Then he was on a fight night. Then he's been on two pay-per-views out of his last three. He was on ESPN again earlier this year, but he's getting the spotlight. Billy Quarantino, this is a guy we'll have to watch out for, but it's all about Hurricane Burgos right now, getting that rebound win. Lost to Edmund and Barboza in his last two fights. He's been active as well this year. This was his second fight. He's now one and one in the year. Only fought once back in 2020, but in 2019 and going back to 2018, he won a few fights there. I mean, he's won three out of his last six, or four out of his last six, I should say. So not the worst. And then a loss to Kelvin Cater back in 2018. So now no shame in losing to Kelvin Cater, but it's just one of those things where Burgos gets the job done, not how he intended to, but he's still 14-3. and three. He's just 30 years old still. I mean, he lost two out of his last three, like I said, but you lose to Edson Barbosa in the third round, I there's nothing wrong with that, right? I mean, that was on the UFC 262 card where we saw Oliveira and Chandler, so I'm excited to see Corinto, see how he rebounds, and then Burgos, I don't know how much he'll move up in the rankings beating a non-ranked fighter, but it was just one of those things where you take a ranked fight or you take an unranked fighter just to get more experience, just to fight, and he did just that, getting that decision win. And our only stoppage on the main card came next, Marlon Chito Vera stopping Frankie Edgar in the third round. It was all Frankie Edgar, right? Edgar has dominating this fight. I mean, I was kind of paying attention to the Canelo and Plant entrances at this time, got a notification on my phone that it was time that they're ready to come out, turned my computer on picture-in-picture, picture, watching them as we go, and there's nothing better than having UFC on the TV, boxing on the computer. It's just Saturday night made in heaven. But Marlon Chido Vera, huge front kick. Anderson Silva style. This is one we'll be seeing on the highlight reels for years to come. I mean, when you watch that slow-mo, just I'm touching under my chin right now. Just the way things moved on Frankie, Ed, I, I don't even, I don't even know how he was still moving after it, but some would say it was an early stoppage because Edgar got his back turned and then Cheeto had a few strikes, but Frankie was still moving around. I mean, he still was doing some all right things, but now he's lost four of his last five, that being Frankie Edgar, and at one point do we rethink things, right? Frankie's 40 years old, lost to Cheeto Vera, lost to Corey Sandhagen. lost to the Creed and Zombie, and then lost to Max Holloway. Three of the four of those stoppages. He went to a decision with Max Holloway, which is kind of insane when you think of it. But his only win was a split decision over Pedro Munoz. And, I mean, you can go back and watch that fight for yourself and decide if Edgar did get the job done or not. Edgar's last stoppage win was when he beat Yair Rodriguez in TKO in 2017. But it was a doctor stoppage. So, again, we're looking at an entirely different situation. He stopped Chad Mendes back in 2015 by first-round knockout. So that's his last stoppage win. Obviously, his last decision was that split decision. He got a unanimous decision win over Cubs Swanson in 2018, early 2018 there. But now we look at Frankie Edgar and we decide what's next because Cheeto Vera has beat Davy Grant, Frankie Edgar, Sugar Sean O'Malley. That was a huge win over Sugar Sean. I still remember that on the Miocic DC undercard. But lost to Jose Aldo, uh, end of last year, so he's won three of his last four, he's won much more of that if you go back even further, but Cheeto Vera, man, he survived this one, right, he wasn't looking too good when it came to Frankie Edgar taking him down and just kind of dominating, it's not that Edgar was doing a whole, whole lot either, he just had position, you know, he was ground control, everything you want to say on the ground, but then Cheeto Vera gets the job done, so... It's, it's a situation where Frankie Edgar is going to think about things. I'm sure we'll see him back in the octagon. I hope we don't see him retire after this loss, but he was arguing a stoppage, so I'm sure he'll be back in no time. And Thug Rose, baby. Thug Rose Nami Yunus beats Waley Zing not once but twice. She's so good in rematches. It's, I believe they said she was 4-0 and in rematches, and I can confirm. She lost to Tisha Torres in 2013, beat her in 2016. She lost, or she beat on Jacek the first time, and then beat her again, Now that was November of 2017 and April of 2018, actually beat, stopped her the first time, went to a decision the second time, got stopped by Jessica Andrade in May of 2019, then beats her split decision in July of 2020, beats Waylee Zhang 2021 20, earlier this year by that head kick, very early in the first round, and the beats are by decision, so Weili Zhang, Jessica Andraj, Yuanion Jacek, and Tisha Torres, 4-0 and in rematches, is this girl a two-time strawweight champ, and now, proving the world that she can still be on top, as she did right here, and we're looking at a Thug Rose, who's got an interesting division below her, but honestly, I was kind of rooting for Wei Li job done, to get the job done just so we could see a trilogy out of these two. It is a treat watching these girls fight. And the first time, we really didn't get to see a whole lot of it. But now in this fight, we got to see some more. This was Prime Canelo at the time. He got the job done, I believe, in the fourth round of this fight is when Canelo knocked out Caleb Plant. And it was close. I mean, a lot of people said it was 2-2. Two, two. Going into the fifth round, Thug Rose wins by split decision. And I, I think one judge had it 49-46, because I believe it was 48-47 Zhang, 48-47 Rose, and then 49-46, which I really don't agree a whole lot with. But I said to myself, this will probably be a split decision as it went down to the wire. It indeed was. Weili Zhang falls to 21-3, and losing to Thug Rose twice, but she's beaten so many top names. In the division, ever since she came over to the UFC, including people like Tisha Torres, Jessica Andrade, and Ioane and and now a lot of people. I mean, Thug Rose. She's still under 30 years old, only 15 professional fights. She's 11 and four compared to Wally Zhang, who's 21 and three. But at just 11 and four, a two-time champ for Thug Rose defended the belt this time around. Actually, looked good in doing so, and now people are already saying she might be climbing up to that. Amanda Nunez, Valentina Shevchenko discussion, and might be surpassing Yonion Jacek as the best strawweight of all time. I think it's a little too soon to say that, but back-to-back wins over Wei Li Zhang, back-to-back wins over Yonion Jacek, beating the best twice, and then beating Jessica Andraj. I'm sure we'll see a trilogy between Andraj and Thug Rose sooner rather than later, but man, Thug Rose... Looking good here in this fight. I'm not concerned. This is a Michael Chandler situation, right? I'm not concerned for Wei Li Zhang at all. She's going to come back and rebound and be just fine. She won't be getting a shot at Thug Rose anytime soon, though, unless we got a Mighty Mouse Mouse situation on our hands where DJ beat everyone in the flyweight division and then had to face people a third time who we already beat twice. That's how much he was dominating that division, and it's kind of sad to see how his career has gone downhill a little bit, but Colby Covington has his career gone downhill that's the question he's lost two of his last three those two being to Kamaru Usman Usman gets the job done unanimous decision I had four rounds to one give Colby that fourth round but other than that it was pretty much all Usman in this fight he did everything he needed to do Colby had good stretches though I mean he had really good times in this fight where he was looking good landing good combos but he wasn't really following up on them as he should and Kamara Usman continued his takedown defense stat. Colby was 0 of 11. Usman stopped 11 takedowns. He hasn't allowed a single takedown in his career. He hasn't ever been taken down. That's just insane. It really blows my mind. 158 to 119 in the total strikes. Significant strikes, 123 to 107. All the advantages went to Usman. 123 significant strikes for Usman, 107 for Colby. It's really not a bad number at all for Colby Covington. Colby went to the body 21% of his time, where Usman did 33% of the time. 74% of Colby's strikes went to the head of Usman, but at the end of the fight, Colby looked like a hurt fighter. He looked beat up, and Usman looked clean. I mean, he looked like he barely even got hit in the fight when 79 of Colby's significant strikes went to the head, 80 for Usman, so really, really close in that regard. Not a whole lot of leg kicks thrown, only seven combined. Which is interesting, but both fighters deciding not to go to the legs. They were looking for the kill in this fight. And I love him or hate him, man. Colby Covington, all respect to him after the fight, went up to Usman and said, Hey, it's just all side, you know, I just do this all. It's all about the money, right? And you are the better man at the end of the day. And then in his post fight interview said, We haven't seen the best of Colby Covington yet. He's only thirty-three years old, sixteen and three in the octagon. Two of those three losses were two Kamaru Usman, one was just a loss earlier in his career where he got submitted by Worley Alves, which is kind of an interesting one, but he beat Robbie Lawler, RDA, Damian Maya, Tyron Woodley, he's beaten top guys, and I still don't count that Woodley win as a whole lot, because it was just kind of an abrupt stoppage in that fifth round with the whole rib thing, and when Woodley got taken down, or whatever it even was, but I don't really count that as a big win, I didn't say coming into this fight, Colby looked a whole lot better, he uh, got a convincing stoppage, he went over Woodley, and he's going to stop Usman, you know, I didn't say that, I didn't think that, and I thought Usman would get the job done, as he did, and I don't know if everyone expected it to go to a decision, but, I mean, Usman's unstoppable, right, undefeated in the UFC, 20-1 in his career, he beat Colby, Masvidal, Burns, Masvidal again, Covington, Woodley, RDA, Maya. this dude's beating everyone, most of them, by decision, but lately he's been showing that knockout power. We know he beat Kobe by knockout, then beat Burns and Masvidal back-to-back, Burns in the third by the knockout, and then Masvidal in the second. So he has that power, and for everyone who says that Usman is a boring fighter, I hope they enjoyed this fight to close out UFC 268. I hope you can really just put some respect on Usman's name now. We've been asking for this for so long, to just put respect on Kamaru Usman's name. It's not that hard. This guy might be the pound-for-pound best fighter in the UFC, and he's proving that consistently, beating all the top contenders, and some of them he's beating twice, Masvidal twice, Covington twice, the one Masvidal fight was when he came in on such short notice, so some really don't count that, but still, man, he's beating them all, and now I'm going to have to really see a lot out of Colby Covington before he can get back in the title picture, he's going to have to beat quite a few names, and I'm sure he can do it, I'm sure he has what it takes, but it's just a matter of what Colby Covington we see moving forward. I'm sure enough, not a whole lot's going to change, right? This is Colby Covington. This is what we get. And honestly, I quite enjoy it. He brings such a different, not fight style, but just presence to the table, so confident in himself, such a polarizing figure, and we got a lot of interesting chance during the main event. Honestly, I enjoyed it, and I, I don't know. I can't say I love Colby Covington, but I just love how different he is, and he's, he stands out, and like I said, he's polarizing, whether you love him or hate him one way or another. He's doing something to get your attention, and I see so many people tweeting before Colby Covington fights that they want to see him get knocked out and this and that, and that's exactly what the guy wants, and everyone's falling right into the trap. So that does it. 25 minutes in, woo, UFC 269 is coming up next, and I'm going to go down and up with this card. We're going to start with the prelims. I mean, you've got guys like Randy Costa, Jillian Robertson, Ryan Hall is on here. What about this flyweight belt between Matt Schnell and Alex Perez, Macy Barber? is on the fight card, Andre Munez is on the fight card, and then we go to Munoz, who's fighting D-City, Dominic Cruz, that's an insane bantamweight bout, Jeff Neal and Santiago Ponzinbio, oh my goodness, DC said watch out for that one, and then we get to the main card, where things pick up even more, Sugar Sean O'Malley and Ralun Paiva, that's gonna be good, I can't wait to see Paiva and Sugar Sean Meeting the center of the octagon. And then my boy, Cody Nolov Gargbrand against Kai Kara France. That's going to be insane. Cody going down to flyweight now in that fight. Jorge Masvidal, and the aforementioned Jorge Masvidal, now taking on Leon Edwards in a huge welterweight fight. Leon Edwards and Usman. That would be something else, to say the least. We are finally getting the GOAT back in action. Juliano Pena and Amanda Nunez ready to go. bantamweight title on the line in the co-main and then the main event. The undeniable number one ranks, Dustin Diamond Poirier against the champ. Against the man who beat my boy, Michael Chandler, but he's not going to beat my boy, Dustin Poirier. Charles Oliveira, first Dustin Poirier. UFC 269 is absolutely stacked. What a card to end the year. I cannot wait for this one. That'll be another one where I'll be watching a good chunk of the prelims. It's just, there's so many good names on this card, and I cannot wait. This might be my longest UFC recap to date, but we also talked UFC 267. We previewed 269 of sorts. We talked about Canelo and Plant. Hope you all enjoyed. We got a huge week, a lot of good stuff coming up, including episode 35 tomorrow, and it might be a, goodness, it might be a five-podcast week. I don't know, this on Sunday, tomorrow, Monday, the normal episode, and then we might go Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or just Wednesday, Friday. I don't know, but there's going to be a lot of content Coming our way, we thank y'all so much for listening. Jordan Drew underscore Sports Crew is our Instagram. Anytime we make a podcast, you'll see a post on there. As do our Facebook, Jordan Drew the Sports Crew, YouTube, Jordan and Drew the Sports Crew. I'm Jordan Law underscore PXP on Twitter. Haven't been doing a whole lot on there, but I tweeted fight of the year between the one and only Michael Chandler and Justin Gaethje last night. So thank you all so very much for listening to another one of my UFC recaps. Thank you all for listening. To this edition of Jordan and Drew, the sports crew, the perfect podcast for you.